imagine board meetings where all of your information is in one place and everyone is on the same page. Say goodbye to shared folders and lost documents. With BoardPro's easy to use, secure web-based program, you can streamline and automate your board processes so that you can focus your energy and time on the things that matter. Plus, you can access BoardPro's extensive resource center, giving you free and easy to apply information on governance good practices and inbuilt templates for you to access so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Get started today with a free 30-day trial to see how BoardPro will make your governance easy by visiting boardpro.com forward slash boardshorts. Sign up for this free trial through that link and then proceed with an order and you'll receive 20% off your first year subscription on any plan. Use the promo code BOARDSHORTS, all one word, to get that 20% off your first year on any plan. Board Pro, because good governance is for every board. Welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. Thank you for tuning in to episode 59. Today I'm joined by Sabrina Walker Hernandez, a nonprofit expert from Texas, USA. And when I say expert, I mean expert. Sabrina has a well-established track record forged over 25 years of working in and with many profit-for-purpose organizations as a CEO, as a board member, and as a consultant, coach, and facilitator. To top it off, she's also a best-selling author. In a nutshell, Sabrina is the guru of helping nonprofits and small businesses build relationships that increase revenue. And one of those key relationships is with the board. This conversation is packed with information, ideas, and really novel ways of creating and leveraging a not-for-profit board and its board members, specifically around fundraising, which is a place where many nonprofit boards struggle. And Sabrina puts forward her breakdown of the elements of fundraising and the specific role that board members play in this often shied away from part of board service. And it's much less painful as you think it might be. So I took a ton of notes during this conversation and I really hope that you find it just as valuable and that you enjoy this conversation with Sabrina Walker Hernandez. Sabrina, thank you so much for being on the Board Shorts podcast today. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you. International conversation. It's just about amazing. Non-profits. Yes, amazing or not for profits, right? <laughs> so um, it's very interesting that the challenges are all the same. Right. Regardless of where you're located. So I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely. And 
I love that we can do this. I love that we have the technology now and we can have these conversations and realize that we're not alone in the challenges that we're facing in the boardrooms. Uh, today, we'll focus on not-for-profits, non-profits, whatever vernacular you want to use, profit for purpose. I like that better. It it sounds more um, related to what you actually yeah. do because you are allowed to make a profit in a not-for-profit. Yeah. Um, not yes. Uh, but we're going to put that towards a purpose. Uh, so I wanted to start really ground roots, here we are. What do you do with boards, Sabrina? What is the work that you do and why do you do it? Well, I do work with boards to help. Actually, why I do what I do is really to help stressed out, overworked, overwhelmed, sometimes underpaid CEOs and executive directors that run nonprofits. I help them with their boards because oftentimes they are frustrated with their boards. And I think that frustration comes about because we're still using some old school methods in dealing with the boards. But really what drove me um, to do this is in 2018, um, after running my nonprofit very successfully for, I was in my nonprofit for 20 years. I was the CEO for 15 of those 20 years. In 2018, I was diagnosed with cancer, um, not one cancer, but two cancers, no. blood cancer. And yeah, and a part of that was stress. And so I just really sat there um, at MD Anderson, which is a cancer hospital. And I had to go through a stem cell transplant. And when you go through a stem cell trans, uh, transplant, you're in the hospital for 30 days, you're isolated. And so as I was sitting there, I said, I don't want anybody else to you know, have this experience, um, this stress. And what I've learned over the 25 years in this industry and all the templates and all the thoughts and all that, I can really help someone who is new to the CEO role um, and they may be struggling with their board because at that point, you know, the stress had led up to it. But at that point, I was really cruising. I had a great relationship with my board. And I finally kind of the last five years, I was in a groove and I figured it out. Um, like like I, what I say, figured it out. And so I just really want to share that with people so that they, they are not as stressed. I'm trying to figure it out. If someone knows it, then it. I feel obligated to share it. Yeah, amazing story. Well, well done on getting through that challenge. Wow. That's Thank amazing. You. That's amazing. Um, so I am interested to know, because you've mentioned a few things that prompt my thinking and just some of the challenges that I see other not-for-profit boards having here, particularly with that CEO, executive director sort of role. Um and its interaction with the board as well and how critical that is. <clears throat> so from your perspective, what is the role or the purpose of a board in a nonprofit? So the board has three primary purposes. And those three primary purposes, as I see them, is trusteeship. That simply means ensuring that the organization is transparent, ensuring that they have a, a strategy, a strategic plan, um, ensuring that the organization is moving forward. And then oversight, 
making sure, you know, the governance, there's policies in place, uh, procurement policies, privacy policies, all those policies that you can think of, ensuring those are in place. And then thirdly is ensuring necessary resources. And that is where fundraising comes in. I love when I talk to people and they say, well, my board is not a fundraising board. They are a working board. And I said, all boards are fundraising boards. There is no such thing as just a mm. working board. Those are your three primary purposes. You are the highest governing body of this organization. You're responsible for the organization. And that responsibility does include ensuring necessary resources. Mm -hmm. And so I always try to stress that. And I think a lot of times that board members and CEOs, especially sometimes founders, um, they check their business hat at the door when it when you start talking about a not-for-profit or non-profit. But at the end of the day, that's just a tax designation. It's still a business. Yes. So don't check your business hat at the door. So that's something that happens a lot here as well, what I see. And in my last podcast episode, talking about nonprofits as well, this, this thing of taking this sort of commercial corporate view, this business view in a nonprofit world is nearly seen as sacrilegious. Um, so how, how do you encourage or help the board or really just avoid that from happening? It's, it's not sacrilegious. I'm, I'm going to start there. I, I think if your intent is to impact as many clients as you can, then it's smart to be strategic. It is smart. It's just a different purpose. Yeah. Like what you were saying very clearly, it's a different purpose. But the purpose is an important purpose. And you want to do, you want to impact as many people as you can. And so how do you do that? You do that by generating as much marketing, generating as much income, generating as much as you can so that you can have that impact. So I don't consider it sacrilegious. I consider it being smart, but the end result is you're impacting a person, an animal, whatever your mission is. It's allowing you to have a bigger impact on that. Absolutely. And so that's the way that's the way I look at it. And, and you know, when you're running a business, it's always amazing to to me um, in the nonprofit world. It's like we're solving world problems, poverty, um, environmental um, and abuse, animal issues, all of these things. But you don't want to put those business models in place that will allow you to have a better impact on what you're trying to solve, you know? Mm -hmm. And not only that, people frown upon, we, we have to get over this mentality of the business model being sacrilegious in the nonprofit world. Because again, if you approach it that way, it's going to allow you to have a bigger pocket of resources to actually address the problems that you're trying to solve. 
Yeah, absolutely. And without the business, there is no purpose being met. Yeah, no purpose being met. And you would never, for your business, you would never rely on one source of revenue. That's a great example. You wouldn't. You would think if this revenue goes away, then my business goes away. It's the same thing in the nonprofit world. If you rely on that one grant source or that one event, and there's a pandemic that impacts the whole world, <laughs> then your organization goes away. Yeah. So you have to have a diversified source of income. Absolutely. You wouldn't never have that approach running your business. No. It's a business. You need to take that same hat, that same mentality into that boardroom. It's a boardroom. Govern yeah. it as such. Yeah. Absolutely. So then knowing this, and we totally agree with it, and I'm sure there's a ton of listeners who are engaged with this message, how do the best boards get this right? I think the best board gets this right because they're open to the idea and they also get education, Mm. right? It starts with changing the mindset. Yeah. And sometimes if you are not, if you are a board or and or a CEO or executive director organization and you stay in your organization and you don't branch out of that. And when I say branch out, that means go and get educated, go to a conference, leave your community. Um, You will get stuck in that mindset. And so you have to see others and have these conversations with others because what I experienced as a CEO is the more I got out and went to conferences and talked to different organizations and had these conversations and educated myself, the more possibilities um, revealed themselves to me because what I thought was a crushing problem, right, for me and my organization, when I got to a conference Um, and started talking about that, the the person next to me is like, oh, we went through that and this is what we did. Yeah. And what they thought was a crushing problem. I'm like, oh, here's the solution to that. Yeah. But a lot of times, oh no, we can't spend money on travel, professional development. That's not, we're not being good stewards of the money if we do that. That's the mentality that we are addressing, that we're dealing with right now. And what I'm saying is challenge that mentality because it's an investment. Yeah. It is an investment to get educated. It's an investment for your board to get educated on these things because at the end of the day, you're going to increase your revenue so you can have a stronger impact on those you're trying to service. Yeah, absolutely. And that was going to be my question uh, because there is a lot of concern around spending money, uh, particularly on professional development. Uh, So I'm glad you addressed that. But I'm interested to know if you have any, like reality is that a lot of nonprofits are resource restricted. And so, yes, they may agree with the message that you've sort of got to spend money to make money, but if the money's not there, the money's not there. And so what are some sort of low cost or free ways that people can learn and grow and expand and get those different perspectives? There are a lot of, especially since this pandemic, you know, you always got to kind of find a silver lining of everything. And I try Mm -hmm. to find a silver lining of 
everything. And so I think one of the silver linings in the pandemic is there is a lot of online resources now, a yep. lot of consultants, a lot of podcasts. Your podcast is wonderful. Um, listening and signing and um, listening into podcasts, um, YouTube, um, going to summits. As a matter of fact, I have a summit coming up October the 26th through the 28th shameless plug called uh, build a thriving a uh, nonprofit and it is free you know yeah. um and i have like 12 guest speakers that are phenomenal phenomenal in the nonprofit space so things like that um for those that are tight on budget but also you know i don't grant right and, and we start i started off by having that conversation you can't pay them enough money to grant right i don't like it i can do it i don't like it but there are some foundations and some grant sources out there that if given the, the right language and written in the right way, they will fund professional development. Right. That's how I got my first resource development position mm-hmm. um, was having a foundation funded for the first uh, three years. I believe they funded for the position for the first three years. Um, then, you know, you put some milestones in place. So there are some foundations out there who who uh, believe what we're saying and will invest in that if it's written in the right way. And so you have to go out there and you have to be proactive about it. And not only that, um, even if there's not a foundation or a grant out there, because I always say, you know, it's the luck of the drug in the grant almost. Mm-hmm. But, you know, identify a board champion that this message resonates with. And have them be the speaking voice to the rest of the board. And not only that, we're doing these events. And I say, this is a side note, because I always say this, do no more than two signature events in a year, because going from event to event is exhausting. But perhaps you can set up a fund that says, or when we do this event, 10% of the proceeds will go into a travel budget. Mm. Because we need to start developing our staff, developing our board, developing our CEO. Because if we're going to take this organization to the next level, you're going to have to be developed to do that. Um, And my board was very good about that. Um, I got to attend Harvard Business School. I got to attend Stanford University. I got to attend... um, a leadership program at Clemson University. So my board was very good about investing in me, but I also had to, um, for lack of a better, prove that that investment was worthwhile. So when I took over my organization, we had a $750,000 budget. We grew that budget to $2.5 million. Wow. But it was because I got out of my comfort zone. They invested in the education. They saw the vision, but you know, I had to inspire them to see the vision. And sometimes as a CEO, that is your job too. You Absolutely. have to inspire those around you. Hey guys, we're going for the Mecca here. And with my board, it was the vision is we want to build a state of the art facility. I was youth services. Our kids deserve this. The building that we were in flooded all the time. So when it rained, it flooded. It was not a good thing. And so you have to be strategic about that. If you want your board 
engaged in that way, you have to, to expose you have to expose them to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what we do is we only have interactions with our board at the board meeting. Yeah. And that's it. And there's strategy to inspiring and engaging your board. You have to develop a relationship with them outside of the boardroom. Mm. And there's a lot of things also that I assume. And here's some of the assumptions. For me, my board meetings were held where I service my clients. So you get to come into this building and it's raining. You're going to get to see the flooding. Yeah. You're going to experience walking through, wading through the waters like the kids. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're going to get that full on experience. Mm. So, you know, some I know some organizations, they don't have their meetings where they serve their clients. And I think there's some benefit to having your meetings where you serve your clients. One of the benefits is they get to actually interact with the clients. Right. So my board meetings were very strategic. They weren't at 12 noon when kids were in school. They were at five o'clock in the afternoon. Kids were out of school. They were in our building. So it was chaos that our board had to walk through because there's 300 kids in the building. There was parents picking up kids. They saw it. They saw the impact. They saw the three kids. They saw the parents. They saw the parking lot overcrowded because you know, there was nowhere to park because parents were picking up. So you have to be strategic in that in that way. But not only be strategic in that way and inspiring them is you have to build that relationship outside of the boardroom. And with some board members, pick a couple. This is a little tip that I learned. Create board champions for yourself. And board champions are those people, those board members who are going to have your back. These are the ones that you share the vision with, and they are the mouthpiece for your vision. Because it's always better when it's peer-to-peer communication, right? So sometimes I hear uh, uh, executives say, I've been saying that. I've been saying that. I, I tell my board that, and they don't listen. They don't listen. Well, you're correct. (laughs) You're correct. They hear you, but they're drowning you out. And you have one or two choices. You can bring in a third party consultant. They're going to say the same thing that you've been saying, but all of a sudden it's going to be the best thing they ever heard. And we've all had that experience. And as executive, you sit in there and you're like, I I said that like two months ago. Yeah. Okay. But you got got the compass, right? And then two, the other way, is again, a board champion, because that's a board member talking to a board member. It's a peer-to-peer. So identify a couple of champions for yourself and really develop an authentic relationship with them. Um, I had three uh, board champions um, on my board that, you know, and we spent a lot of time together. We went to lunch together at least once a week. Um, I was a guest in their home. They were a guest in my home. We exchanged Christmas gifts. We, you know, we became a very good friendship. And to this day, I'm I'm no longer with the organization, but we still go to our lunches. Yeah. We still do the same thing. They became friends. Anybody can bond over a glass of wine. Um, so that's that that's what you have to do. Um, and then 
for those that you're, you haven't identified as your champion, I still made the effort to at least once a year engage with them outside of the boardroom, yeah. outside of the boardroom, stop by their office, pop in, say hi, um, those kind of things. And with the board chair, whomever that is, I had a standing meeting with them, standing once a month meeting. Yeah. Here are my challenges. Here's what's going on. Because the worst thing I think can happen to any leader is to be blindsided by information. So my board chair got it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And it wasn't, you're the board chair by name only. Oh no, the stress needs to be shared. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do this. Let's sit down and have these conversations. And so I, that's the intentionality that you have to do when you are trying to build that board that you want. Yeah, absolutely. It's a ton of work and um, that is the nature of the beast, right? Yeah. You you hit it on the head and I feel like so many people don't want to do that. They just think, why can't my board just get it? Why can't the chair just do the things? Why does this have to be so hard? But it is, and especially when you have board members that aren't familiar with being on boards or perhaps have had not so great board experiences before and they think that that the sort of normal behavior we see is the way it's done but yeah they, yeah every board is run different that's what yeah. I realized mm -hmm. um after I retired uh I actually now serve on three boards wow. and I told myself never to do that and then I did, did it, it anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway and I I enjoy it but all three of them are very different. Yeah. One is a startup uh, board. They mm -hmm. just got their uh, 501c3, which is their nonprofit designation. Um, they just got it in 2019. Yeah. So none of the board members had ever served on a board before. Wow. Not only that, um, the founders and the co-founders are on the board. So that, that brings its own drama. Yeah. Um, so it's very different. And the, what I struggled with with that board is having them realize that you started a business and you can't just go out here and start fundraising. You, you don't have any policies. You don't have your mission statement. You don't have a vision statement. You you don't have a plan. And to get them to slow down and do the strategic planning was a challenge, but we did it within the first year. And now we're on a trajectory that is very positive. We did our second, uh, we created our signature event during COVID, <laughs> but 2021, we were ready, planned it out. We did great. 2022, knocked it out of the park. Now we're doing partnerships with schools and signing contracts and agreements, but we're being guided by our strategic plan. Yeah. So yep. getting them to do that, that was a challenge. And then on the other board that I serve on is um, a well-established board in our community. Um, one that I could not say no to mm -hmm. um, because it, it is, it's that position, that board, that organization that when you have been invited to join that board, you know you have arrived. And every nonprofit wants to be at that level, right? Yeah. You want to be that board in the community. And so I got invited to that board. Um, and that board, 
I almost everybody, the executive is awesome. And I've even learned a thing or two being in that boardroom that I didn't do um, in my boardroom. And I'll, I'll share those because I, when I got there, I thought, oh, this is good. This is good. And so I, I, to my credit, my board did not ask for a um, CEO report. Um, and I was very happy about that because I consider them a waste of time on a board agenda because we need to focus on strategic strategy and all of that. Uh-huh. So if you're sitting there reading a report at your board meeting, please stop. Yeah. Use your board members' time in a different way. And if you're doing all the talking during your board meeting, is that really a board meeting? Yeah. So these are the questions you have to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. And so for his report, it's called a CEO report. But what he does is he divides us up in our committees and gives us t- and gives us a question to address an issue or an event that's coming up, whatever it is. And then we spend that time strategizing around that. And then he brings us back together and each group reports out their ideas or their concepts around that. Love that. And so I really like that. Is that the, the CEO who does that or the chair of the yeah. board? Yeah, the, the CEO. CEO. That's okay. how he uses CEO report time. Awesome. And I thought that is a good idea because we're always kind of struggling with when does the committee meet? How do we engage the committee? You know, that and that's how he addressed that. And I thought that is really good. I really like that. I'm going to steal that is what I thought in my head. I really like that Yeah. Um, because it generates it's it's almost like uh, the agendas that I adopted are really you know, you have your consent agenda. We don't want to, we don't have staff reports. That's all on the consent agenda, minutes, all of that. We're not going to spend our time talking about that. We kick the board meetings off with mission moments. And that's when, for me, it was kids coming into the boardroom and saying, this is my name. This is what why I come to this after school program. And then the board gets a couple of minutes to ask them questions, five minutes of the agenda. That's how we kicked off every board meeting with the museum board. They do the same thing. He brings exhibits around the room and we get to kind of peruse all the different exhibits that are in the room with this new board that I'm on. We do the same thing because it's a best practice. Um, but with theirs, it's a video of a client. So we have this. Um, community closet that we run for people who um, lost everything due to a fire Mm -hmm. and we provide clothing for them. And so as they're picking up their, you know, the clothing, um, we were, they record them and they get to say something and and express their gratitude or whatever they want to say. And so we play that video at the top of the meeting It's to get your board members in the right mindset, Mm -hmm. but not only get them in the right mindset, it's also to give them stories that they can go yeah. out and share with the community. Yeah. And that's why I advocate to change the agenda. Start it off with the mission moment, then go into consent agenda where you put the minutes and the CEO reports. If you have to do a CEO report mm-hmm. or do it like my, my friend over at the museum, um, you put all that grants that need to be approved. We don't need to talk about that necessarily. Yeah. That's consent agenda. And then you go into the rest of the agenda, 40 minutes, 45 minutes of your agenda. That's the meat. 
And that should be about your strategic direction. If you, your strategic plan should have one to no more than five goals. I always say one to three goals, but you base your agenda on those goals. And that's where you drive your agenda. And then that last uh, uh, minutes of your agenda is you do a board education, mm-hmm. whether that's having your board members um, call five donors and say thank you, or you do a board brief on uh, what is fundraising, whatever it is, and then you end, you have your board meeting um, end with a generative question. And that's what he started his off with the generative question with the um, by dividing us up, you know, right. and saying, here's a question, how would you address it? And I just absolutely loved it. But that is one way that you can start changing the mindsets of your board. Hmm. What to me, what is most frustrating is going to a board meeting and there's no strategy for yeah. that board meeting. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the same thing we talked about before yeah. and there's no movement. Yeah. That's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> and so people then feel like they're wasting their time. Yeah. Um, and not only that, it takes away from what we're, what I'm, what we're saying is a business, yes. right? And if it's a business, you can't keep dredging up the same thing over and over and over and over and not addressing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, No, I love that. And it just makes me feel like so often in so many things, but in particular, the board meeting agenda is we don't even think that we can do it differently. And so we don't seek out what that difference could be but your framework here which I'll reflect in the show notes as well is such a a different way of thinking about it yeah you can do it differently um just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean you have to continue to do it that way there again if you get out of your backyard you will find that people are doing it different ways and you get to pick which way you want to do it right yeah and Make it work for your organization. Um, but I, I found that that agenda works, especially the mission moment, because yeah. that puts the client front and center, reminds them about the mission, remind them that we are here to help this client. We are here to help solve this problem. And it gets the mindset right, especially when you get into talking about fundraising. Yeah. You, you remember that that kid who was standing in front of you, we're doing it for that kid yeah. or we're doing it for whatever that animal. And and I've seen um, even um, I've worked with uh, animal shelters and zoos. Bring the bring the dog to the meeting. Yes. Introduce them. You saved this life. Introduce them to the board. Bring the I, I have a problem with snakes, but bring the snake. <laughs> Everybody may have a problem with the snake. preserving the environment they need to see touch smell the mission yeah yeah because you're so far removed from it in the boardroom that just brings you front and center and and it, it you then feel on a whole different level that you're actually making a difference that you're actually doing something meaningful I love that idea I love that that's how CEOs you inspire your board Right. That's how you do it. You got to see 
Mm. Touching all of that, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. Everything is not roses. Everything is not roses. And I, those CEOs who, oh, things are going good and things are going good, or there's that type, and then that, and then there's that type that says, oh, if we don't do this, our doors will close. You, you got to find a middle. Middle. It can't be, oh, woe is me, and it can't be everything is perfect either. There is a middle. Yes. And the middle is, we're doing well here. Here are our challenges that we need to address so that we can continue down this vision that we yeah. have. And, and that's where you need to be as the CEO and the ED. It, yeah. it, no, no extremes. The middle is where you need to guide yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as you were talking, and not to bring us down from this high point, because this has really <laughs> excited me, <laughs> but I, I was speaking to a, a listener of the Board Shorts podcast over the weekend, and I said, I'm talking to Sabrina. Here's what she talks about, nonprofits, things like that. If you could ask her a question, what would it be? And she said, which is so vital to the points we're making, is how do you make sure that your board members stay motivated and engaged without pushing them and expecting too much from them? And so then they opt out because they're too busy or don't have time or whatever it is. So how do you strike that? nice balance so you strike that balance by again learning your board members that's one but everybody is going to play a different role on your board not a hundred percent of your board members are going to be people that ask for a gift and you have to be okay with that Mm. i'm okay with that because for me fundraising is not about asking for money Fundraising for me is about building and maintaining relationships. Mm -hmm. And so for me, so I have this formula and I'm sure people have heard of this formula. I've tweaked it a little bit over the years, um, but it worked for me, my organization, and and it works for a number of people. So for me, fundraising is most of the time when people talk about engaging and not overworking board members, they're talking about fundraising. And so for me, what I say is look, 10% of fundraising is identifying people. So that's 10%. Another 10% of fundraising is qualifying those people that you identify. And when you qualify, you say, okay, do they have the ability to give? Do they have an affinity towards our mission? Because just because they have an ability doesn't mean they have an affinity towards your mission. They might not like kids. They might not like animals. They might, whatever your mission is, that might not be their jam, right? Mm. You have to spend time in that area. Now, as far as board members, the identifying and the qualifying, the role that board members would play in that 20% would be what you call a door opener. And these are the people, and I had a board member like this, and I love her. She's one of my champions and one that I still have lunch with on a monthly basis. When we interviewed her for the board, she said, I will not raise money. I will not. She didn't say I will not raise money. She said, I will not ask anybody for money. I don't feel comfortable with it. It's not what I do. And if I didn't have this method or methodology that I adopted, I would have been like, well, you're not for this board, Miss mm-hmm. Millie. Um, but I did. And so I said, well, what are you willing to do? And she said, I'm willing to introduce you to anybody in my circle. 
And so she became a door opener mm -hmm. and she worked at a bank. Um, she worked in the BSA of the bank, which is the fraud area of okay. the bank. So you can imagine the type of person I'm talking about and the personality. Mm -hmm. But she introduced us to the bank owner, which turned into millions of dollars. And she never asked for a dollar. But what she did was introduce the organization, nurtured that relationship with um, the bank owner, mm -hmm. um, kept them updated about what was happening in our organization. I got to fly on a private plane because of that. Wow. Because I didn't know the bank had private planes, but the bank's president became our co-chair of our capital campaign and we got denied a grant. And they were like, we need to go and talk to them and convince them, you know, they got to see it, feel it, touch it, smell it. Yeah. And I was thinking in my head, okay, that's going to be expensive to fly all people there. And I voiced it out loud. And they looked at me and they said, the plane, the bank has a plane. And I was like, oh, no, I don't roll in circles with wow. planes, you know. Um, so I got to fly in a leather wow. seat you know uh, so that was very interesting but that would not have happened without Millie so she was my door open right um, and then the next um 60 percent so we got 20 percent of fundraising 60 percent of fundraising 60 percent of fundraising is cultivation building relationships that's 60 percent and so that's really where you want your board to focus their time. And what is building relationships? It's meeting with people. It's those face-to-face -face meetings, taking them out to lunch, calling them on the phone, inviting them to events. And I'm not talking about fundraising events. People always think I'm talking about fundraising events. It's not fundraising. It's like the house parties, um, those type of things, tours of the facility. It's um, getting them on the newsletter list and making sure they are receiving information from your organization, whether they read it or not, that is not the point. The point is they're in your box. You're not forgotten, you know? Yeah. Um, social media, annual report, those types of things. Then it's um, volunteer opportunities. Get them again to see, smell, touch the mission. And surveys, whether they are informal or formal, surveys, you know, calling and asking for advice. I always say where advice is given, money soon follows. So 60% of fundraising is that. And then 5% of fundraising is asking. That's where everybody gets afraid of, mm -hmm. the asking. That's where people say, well, don't, don't, don't talk about fundraising when we're trying to get new board members because they're going to get scared and not want to be on our board. Mm. It's only 5% of fundraising. Yeah. And if you can't do it as the board member, it's okay. That's my job. Yeah. What I need you to do is build that relationship. If you introduce, build that relationship, I can come in and say, will you consider an investment of $10,000? Because you've done all the real legwork, right? As a board member. Yeah. I'm just asking, which is only 5%. And then 15% of fundraising is saying thank you or stewardship or maintaining those relationships. So if you look at it, 60 and 15 is 75%. So 75% of fundraising is relationships, mm. building them and maintaining them. 
The same thing you did to get them is the same thing you got to do to keep them. It's just like dating. Yes. The same thing you did to get her to say yes is the same thing you got to do to keep her or him. You know, either way. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's what you that's what you need to do with your board. Yeah. Find out who they are. Find out what their strengths are. Are they a door opener? Are they a cultivator? Are they a thanker? Are they an asker? I had a board of 21, but I will say out of the 21, I had three women who were askers. They were not afraid to ask. You're not going to find a lot of those that are not afraid. Yeah. I'm still afraid. Let me say this. I'm still afraid. I still get nervous when I ask. But the trick that I tell myself is I'm not asking for me. It's not a personal rejection of me. I'm asking for that child. I'm asking for the environment. I'm asking for that veteran. I'm asking for that animal. Whatever your mission is, that's who you're asking for. It's not a personal rejection. Yeah. But if your board member's not there, it's okay. Have them focus on relationships. Yeah. Because that's where the bang for the buck is. Yeah. Relationships 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 I can't stress that enough it's that simple sometimes I think people um expect something complicated but it's not it's human relations yeah yeah relationships it's so similar to sales when you think of it from that but you know fundraising is the not-for-profit version of sales right which is probably why everyone hates it yeah instead of selling a product you're selling a service. You're selling the vision. You're selling yeah. the, the, you know, I'm addressing saving lives. I'm addressing the environment. That it's not a tangible, yeah, product for yeah. lack of a better. Yeah, um, I love that. Uh, so called such great information too, and breaking down that the the percentages of how the board involves in fundraising. I think it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you Good. for sharing that. Um, I do do want to sort of turn our attention sort of back to a beginning phase. If a not-for-profit is establishing itself, so you've had experience with this, with the startup, um, Mm -hmm. how does a not-for-profit board establish itself sort of at the beginning? But I also think that this might help boards that feel like they need some reinvigorating or, or sort of a, a line in the sand and a refreshment. So if you're starting a not-for-profit, where would the board, like what would they come in and do and focus on and how would they best establish themselves? Okay, so I'm going to take it even further. The yeah. first thing I want if you're a startup is you really need to identify your strengths and your weaknesses as a board. And so I encourage you to do a board matrix. And basically, a board matrix is what it sounds like. It is less inventory, our board, um, age, male, female, what industry do they represent? What strengths do they have? What financial strengths do they have? Do they have personal wealth? Do they have access to wealth? Do they, what is their circle of influence? Is it corporations? Is it, you know, the legal industry? Is it the accounting, financial industry? So know who you have, right? And where their strengths are. Yeah. That is one thing. Because once you know that, then you can start saying, okay, 
So your circle of influence is the medical field. So you're a representative in that medical field. And this is the message that we're all in agreement with. So that's one of the things you got to get, get solid is your mission and your vision and your message. So start there. Everybody speaking the same language. Now you, if you're medical, if you're um, legal, or if you're marketing, whatever, whatever it is, this is the message we need you to take in your circle mm -hmm. and talk about us and be an advocate and an ambassador. Everybody should know you're involved in this organization mm -hmm. and be that that mouthpiece. Yeah. Be, do that because we're establishing ourselves. Mm -hmm. You're not asking for money right away. Yeah. You're going in, you're establishing yourself you're, you're being that advocate, you're being, again, that ambassador, and you're sharing the vision of what you're trying to do. So in order to share that vision, in order to be an ambassador, again, one of those foundational pieces I'm going to go back to is having a strategic plan in place. Mm -hmm. So if you are a startup organization, startup board, one of the first things you need to do is have a strategic, a written Yes. Plan. There's a difference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> a written strategic plan. Have that. And it's not, it's a living, breathing document that you reference, that you're going to base your board agenda off of, that you are going to be um, using to accomplish the goals that are established in there. Because what will happen as a new organization if you don't have this is you're going to be distracted yeah. at every shiny opportunity that comes around. And that shiny opportunity may have nothing to do with your mission. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to get distracted from why this organization was started in the first place, because people will come to you with a thousand and one different opportunities, partnerships, all of those things. Yeah. And you have to be strategic enough to say, yeah, this would be a good partnership because it helps us get to goal one or it helps us get to whatever that is. Mm -hmm. It's not partnership for the sake of partnership. Yeah. How yeah. does this partnership align with getting us to our goal and helping us accomplish our mission? And if you don't have that in place, again, you can easily get distracted. Absolutely. So I would say start off with a strategic plan. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything different because I truly believe that that is the foundational piece for a startup board. And so, um, for any board, I feel it, it's such an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you doing? Where are you going? Why are you here? Are you We're spinning in circles and we don't we don't have time because, again, we'll serve. We'll solving. We are solving world problems. Yeah. Now, if you're an established board. Hopefully you have that, the strategic plan, but it might be time to pull it off the shelf and actually look at it and have it be one of those governing, living, breathing documents. But if you're just, you know, we need to shake it up, you have to make board involvement fun. Yeah. Um, and that is up to each board. I can tell you again what, what I have experienced. Um, so with the startup board that I'm a part of, 
Last year, we did our first to make it fun because, again, budget limitations and all those things do play in and come into play. So at the end of the year, we do a board and family Christmas party. Hmm. This is good. It's in one of the board members' house. You know, I live 10 miles from Mexico. So we have wow. the tacos. We have the margaritas. It's nice. a party, y'all. Nice. It's our board bonding time outside of the board room. And as our family and our spouses and our children come together, because we have a lot, you know, it brings in that personal connection. Yeah. With the organization that I was the CEO of, we also, we had a system. I'm all about systems, but I had a board member who was a statistician for the local university. And it was her charge. Um, to make fundraising fun. You never ask a statistician to do this, but she, <laughs> she came up with this grid system um, and they still use it to this day. It works. For every board meeting you attended, you got one point. For every thousand dollars you raised, you got an, another point. She had it all, you know. And so we kept track of the points. The staff kept track of the points. Um, and it was color-coded. If you And we looked at it every... Every board meeting, it was in the board packet at the beginning. We didn't talk about it, but it was there. Uh-huh. We talked about it once a quarter. Okay. And so at once in that quarter, it got color coded. So if you were um, green, that means you hit your target as far as finance, as far as all those pieces. If it was yellow, you were almost there. And if it was red, ooh, you got some work to do the next quarter. Mm. But the fun- came in was everybody who hit their points um we had a board member step up and they got invited to a steak dinner at this exclusive restaurant so everybody was trying to to do that but not only that we also we too had a huge christmas party but it was a christmas party in a nice hotel with the staff catered event we named board member of the year Anything that we could recognize them for, we tried. We did board member of the year, and people really valued that one. Yeah. But we, if you did perfect attendance for the board meetings, you got you got recognized for that. Right. If you were the top uh, fundraiser, you got recognized for that. And so we created board awards, um, but not only board awards, we also created staff awards. Yeah. And then we did, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the White Elephant Exchange. Yes. Uh, yeah, we did the White Elephant Exchange with the staff and the board. And the board really got into it because, um, again, right or wrong, uh, they felt like a lot of times some of our part time staff, college students, um, things of that nature, they felt like, oh, they could use a little bit more money. So they would wrap hundred dollar bills um, in in the gifts. So they were wrap money up in there, and they got such a delight of seeing staff get that. And they would, amongst themselves, they would be like, "You, if a, if you get the gift that has the money in it, you have to make sure that a staff person gets it. You got to, you know." And right. so they got such delight um, out of that. So you have to make it fun. So yep. whatever fun is to engage them and re-engage them. That's what you have to do. You have to figure that out for each board. Yeah, that's such a mindset shift, especially around your um, KPIs of board members and and tracking the performance, um, which I'm a huge advocate of, but I can imagine that would be 
quite confronting for uh, it can be i think we lost we had one pushback from one board member um and i'm i'm going to tell you the pushback was because we skipped our process we thought that and our process included a board interview um, with the nomination committee then they came to a board meeting met the people decided if it was a mess and then we brought them into the board if everything was in alignment yeah but this particular board member we they were a um i'm a rotarian they were a rotarian our board chair was a rotarian and they really excelled in that environment mm-hmm. and so i mean they left rotary in their wheel they had requested it they were volunteering mm-hmm. at rotary defense all of that so we were like hmm if we get them to come over here that's going to be a cool you know and so we asked and they were like yeah and so we were like we don't even have to interview this person we just and we skipped our whole process well when they got over to us they didn't want to do their personal gift to the organization i'm going to pause there every board member should be making a personal contribution to their nonprofit. you are the family of that nonprofit. You are the governing body. You are the highest in that organization. You should be making a gift. Mm -hmm. You should ask yourself, is the board I serve on, is that organization in my top three giving to Mm -hmm. nonprofits? Mm -hmm. So she didn't want to make a gift to the organization and neither did she want to participate in our evaluation process. Her come, she was like, I get evaluated at work. I don't want to be evaluated in my volunteer service. So, point taken. Yep. Get it. Follow your interview process. Yes. Follow your process. Because it's also about is, does it align? Yeah. Are they going to fit into the culture that we've created? Mm-hmm. And that's how you start to shift culture. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So. And, and don't lower your standards. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're there for a reason. Don't lower them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I could talk to you forever, Sabrina, and you've got such a depth of knowledge. I'm learning so much even uh, for my board roles. I, I'm pretty close to getting on to a large nonprofit next year. So this it's is... exciting. I'm going to tell you, it's very exciting being on a board yeah. um, and just going in and being a team, being a team player and, and fitting in and just advocating for the mission. Yeah. And, and I think boards are fun. Like doing board work to me is fun. I'm one of those weirdos. <laughs> so, but but I, I like your additional uh, fun elements to incorporate as well. It would be, it would just be super interesting. I think from a cultural perspective to bring a mindset like that into an Australian boardroom I'm going to ask some people about this and see what they say <laughs> let me know what they say you know yeah. it's not widely embraced here either right but I, I I am very determined that if the system is broken we need to stop doing things just because it's the way it was always done yeah let's Absolutely. look and see what's working let's look and see how we can shape this and shake it up and and make it work for our for our mission for our for the kids that we're serving for the animals we're trying to save for the environment whatever your mission is 
Yeah. You gotta shake yeah. it up sometimes. You can't keep doing things because that's the way they've always been done. And you are frustrated. The board members are frustrated and nothing's, you're not accomplishing. Absolutely. The mission. I love that. And and so let's close on that thought. But last thing, how do people get in touch with you? How do they enroll or subscribe to your conference coming up later this month? So you can visit my website at www.supportingworldhope.com and you will find out all the information. You will be able to register for that and not only register for the summit that's coming up, you will be able to look at the webinars I've done um, and join my VIP uh, resource library that has that grid in there mm-hmm. with the point system for boards. Oh, so love it. Jump on it. <laughs> That's amazing. And we'll definitely share that link in the show notes as well. Uh, but Sabrina, it has been a real pleasure and joy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to my conversation with Sabrina Walker Hernandez. For the links and information shared in this episode, check out the show notes. Sabrina's free summit on how to build a thriving nonprofit is on the 25th to the 28th of October 2022, and that is in central US time. And if you register for that, you will have the chance to learn from 21 nonprofit experts over four days as they address critical issues facing nonprofits today in fundraising, board development, and marketing. And the sessions will be live and online. And again, it is free. So be sure to check that out if you're interested. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate, and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favorite podcast app. And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode. And I'm sure you have many like I did on social media using the hashtag Board Shorts Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. The Board Shorts Podcast is powered by Get On Board Australia, the destination for aspiring and new board members, helping you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. where all of your information is in one place and everyone is on the same page. Say goodbye to shared folders and lost documents. With BoardPro's easy-to-use, secure, web-based program, you can streamline and automate your board processes so that you can focus your energy and time on the things that matter. Plus, you can access BoardPro's extensive resource centre, giving you free and easy to apply information on governance good practices and inbuilt templates for you to access so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Get started today with a free 30-day trial to see how BoardPro will make your governance easy by visiting boardpro.com forward slash board shorts. Sign up for this free trial through that link and then proceed with an order and you'll receive 20% off your first year subscription on any plan. Use the promo code BOARDSHORTS, all one word, to get that 20% off your first year on any plan. Board Pro. 
because good governance is for every board.